Welcome to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. The front desk in an aesthetic practice is a critically important touch point for patients. Practice management and staff training expert Megan Rundell has over 17 years of experience as a practice manager and provider herself. Today, Megan talks with us about the unique characteristics of the high-performing front desk and reveals the single most important skill to look for when hiring that's also the hardest to find. My guest is Megan Rundell from, what town are you in? We're in Bloomfield Hills now. Okay. So that's just outside Detroit. Correct. We're about 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's the market like? Uh, murderous. Um, <laughs> murderous. <laughs> it's hard. I think from a practice management standpoint, we're in the Midwest and the Midwest is very slow to catch on and slow to appreciate. We still have to beg and ask for photos to use where I don't think there's a lot of markets that have that. So when it comes to advertising, Instagram, things like that, it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, and then we also have patients that come in in a general idea of they're very conservative. Like, oh, no, I didn't get Botox. I had a really awesome facial. Let me introduce you to... and you roll your eyes and we all walk away knowing better, but... They're still kind of fibbing about what they're doing. They're still scared. They're still scared. I, you still sense that. And overall, from a business standpoint, if you want me to go off on that little soapbox, um, you know, we're in the midst of uh, yet another strike happening with General Motors. And you're going to start seeing that impact the industry. I think we're on day five or six now, but you see people out on the picket lines uh, and you know that their insurance is going to get cut off by the end of the month, and then they're going to go Cobra. So that affects revenue and your bottom line. And from a customer service perspective, what are you going to look at for that? How are you going to recapture those patients? How are you going to let them know that, you know, hey, I want your money. I want you to come to Dr. Wonderful. But, uh, you know, it's it's challenging. It's hard. So we're, that is uh, tricky. we're, we're, we're in a little pickle <laughs> sometimes. Is it psychologically have a chilling effect on their willingness to spend then? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We are still dealing with a recession that happened 10 years ago. We're still dealing with that. And that really hit the Detroit market. I can't speak for other markets, but it really hit the Detroit market. I'm going to say the hardest just because everyone really, you know, clutched the sand and they were really, you know, batten down the hatches and save all your pennies and put your money in your glass jars and hide it on the apple farm like my great-grandfather used to do. It's just hold on to everything that you have because you don't know if you're going to get it back. So you've been with Dr. Ellen for five years. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, you were still working in the area, but you were doing something different. What was that? So I have, my background is in the aesthetics field. I've been in this industry for over 17 years. So it's day spas, medical spas. I worked uh, for MGM Resorts International uh, for a bit with their day spa. And then I started working with other companies, smaller businesses, such as like Massage Envy, like, hey, we want to open up franchises. We want to break into this market. What do we do? So kind of that thought process and going out like business women's development, you know, this is how you can make your company better. And I had no idea I was actually out to dinner with a friend of mine. He's a primary care physician and he was just sitting there going, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, well, you didn't go to school for that. And you really just need to learn how to talk to people. That's fine. <laughs> You'll be great. And he kind of just spiraled everything from there. And from there, it started turning into medical spas. And I think I have the best job in the world. It's awesome. It's very rewarding. It's very exciting. And I was very lucky to uh, be paired up with her surgeon that I'm with now. So you've always had a kind of growth mindset or the 
the work that you've done has always been focused on growth, no yeah. matter where you've been. No matter where I've been. Was there any moment in your career that you can remember that really had an impact on the way that you interact with patients today and the way that you run the practice? As far as interacting with patients, there was an office that I worked with very, very, very briefly. And uh, I saw how they manipulated verbiage on devices and services to try and they were looking at their revenue and they were just trying to manipulate some certain things. And when patients had a unrealistic expectation, and that happens, the doctors, I did not feel handled it in the most, they needed to put some kid gloves on. And unfortunately that didn't happen. And I saw how it escalated and I turned in the keys that day and I said, I'm out, I can't be associated with this. This is not how you deal with that. And I think that's always, it's stuck in my head now. I have a very, I work for a very kind woman. I work for a very kind surgeon. She is always thinking of her patients and what she can do for them and how she can help them and let me improve them. Let me, I'm always there. I mean, 10 years later, they're still, oh my gosh, I love you guys. I mean, they come in the office and she's so grateful for it. So seeing that, it's, it's a good fit. It's a good home. But yeah, I would say that negative experience still kind of stays with me. I have similar ones around um, building websites for, for doctors that shouldn't be receiving leads because they were <laughs> right down the line, they were doing the same things you're talking about. <laughs> don't be mean. You don't have to be mean. <laughs> it's a fun life. It's a fun industry. This is a great business. Yeah, we're supposed to be making people happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think for, honestly, I think, I mean, the surgeons that are invested in it and they've got some skin in the game themselves and that's what they're looking to do. I, I want it. We do. They, they care. So here at the meeting, you're teaching two courses. Um, one about the characteristics of a high-performing front desk, which I, I know is a challenge for lots of folks. And the other course is about, remind me what the second one is. It's not a course. It's just another conversation that I'm having um, down the line in the future for another podcast is just to talk about, you know, hiring needs and what do you look for in staffing members and hiring things the like right that. Staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about those characteristics of the high performing front desk. What are they? First, I think my, my two cents. First, look at how you want your front desk to be perceived and how you want others to absorb them, how you want your patients to walk in you know, there are some practices that I've worked with where they want, you know, five foot 11 Amazon gorgeous women to not say anything. And then I have other practices that are, I want a nice homey style and I want a welcoming atmosphere. And I have some that I've worked with there. I want to be really modern. And I think you, once you figure that out, then you know what characteristics. I would tell you your top ones that should be across the board, no matter what, are efficiency, honesty. They should be able to deal with technologies, new and old. And I uh, want to make sure that they have a sense of organization. They have forethought, critical thinking. Good Lord, I don't know what happened to critical thinking. Um, that went out the window, I think, a generation ago. But I think critical thinking is really important. I mean, that's your front line. That, that's who's going to get bombarded first. And there's a sense of grace that you need to look for in your staff up there to be able to handle uh, awkward situations and to be able to excuse themselves properly so that they're not offending the patient, but they can remove themselves to find somebody else that's better equipped to handle things. You know, like it's, those are pretty key. Once you figure out what you're looking for, then yeah. So go back to the, the styles that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Is there one that you prefer 
I, if I had to guess, it's the homey one. It's the homey one. I'm from yeah. the Midwest. Absolutely. I'm the Midwest. I don't care who you are. You can come in my house and I'll still have a pot of coffee on. I don't care. It's just the more homey type atmosphere. Be kind. Uh, this is a customer service-based industry. You can go to San Francisco. You can go up a floor in a tower and you'll have five competing plastic surgeons on the same floor. Good luck to them. They're probably crushing it, but I can't imagine the stress. It's a customer service industry. That's what's going to drive that last nail into that coffin and get that sale. Like that's really what's going to happen. So be kind, be nice, know what you're doing. And don't forget that people are human. Like they're giving you their bodies essentially. So make sure that you have kindness up there. How do you train critical thinking? Is that something that you have been able to impact at all as a manager? I don't know. Not as much as I would like to. (laughs) No, I think honestly, it starts with when they're younger and achieving things. There's one thing, and this is one of the characteristic type training skills. It's compassion. Start with that and giving them a job, right? So like if you think of little kids and you have a kid, hey, yay, you tied your shoe, awesome. Give them a sense of accomplishment with a very small goal and then slowly build them up step by step. There are some people that come in and they're just like, oh no, that's, I just get this because thanks. No, that doesn't work. That's not going to make you successful as a human being. There is a lot of that in our area, in the Midwest where I'm from. I, I think something happened when uh, that Marco Polo app, have you ever seen that? No. Okay, so Marco Polo is an app, and instead of texting, it's like video texting, right? So you're shooting like a 30-second video. So instead of typing out the words, you're shooting a video and sending it. Now, I have great ideas on how you can manipulate that and use it in the business world, but it's for just chatting between friends. But if you ever see them, I had a girlfriend six or eight months ago, oh, you have to download this app. It's fantastic. And you would get videos. Oh my gosh, today the kids were so bananas. The school drop-off line was absolutely crazy. It was ridiculous. And I was like, that's not how you talk. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? And it just... It was amazing to me how that changed the way that they spoke, either professionally or not. You know what I mean? I think that that is a very standard norm some places that you're kind of seeing across the board. I see a lot of young girls coming in going, yeah, and this is great. Let's drop the ums and ahs. Let's let's calm down the verbiage. Let's just, I'm going to need you to dial it down, throttle down. I need to take it to a level two. Let's be real. Who are you? That's, it's very hard. So when you talk about critical thinking, I'm trying to work past that point first. Once I get through that, maybe we can focus on some accomplishments. I think it's really interesting that you identified uh, almost like a regional, uh, it's almost like you identified a regional fad and connected that it was causing a different behavior somewhere else. Yeah, I I'm not the psychologist. I just see what You're happens. You're a good marketer. <laughs> it's just, I see what happens. And you have girls come in and you even, even guys come in, like people coming in for interviews left, right, and center, or even when you're out in the street. Because I still say, I was listening to, it was a presentation probably about two years ago. And I think it was the gentleman from Yellow Telescope. John? Um, or Ed? I think it was Ed. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the date. The first date. Taking you on a date. Uh, And that was amazing knowledge through those guys. It was great. But going on a date and talking through everything. And it was just funny, like a side conversation about taking them on a date. I was like, oh my goodness. 
And I keep remembering that. I'm like, wow, I would never go out with you. And then I started to realize I was in my head talking that way. I'm like, oh my gosh, stop. No, stop. <laughs> uh, but no, like it's a regional thing. I'm not saying it's the Midwest, but hey, it might just be Michigan. It could be the Detroit market. We get a lot of snow. We watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> you don't know what all things impact characteristics in people. And you don't really know how that's going to affect everything. But I think, you know, if there's a connection there, somebody can further that. I have so many questions. <laughs> um, tell me about a great hire that you've made and like a specific person, what made that hire good? What was in her background or his background that led to them being a successful hire? Dedication. There was one employee years ago, it was a day spa. And I know I'm not the only one that's gone through this, but everybody needs a break. And you could just see it. Like this, this woman was just in it to win it. Teach me anything you want. Mold me, shape me. I'll do anything you want. I don't care. Just give me a shot. Like, I don't know how to do this. I know I want to be in this industry, but just give me a chance. And boy, she was first one there, last one to leave. She was willing to learn anything. If you can look for a characteristic of somebody, not desperation. I don't want people to think that that's what I'm referring to, but just dedication and a willingness to learn. She was amazing. Amazing. I think she started her own franchise somewhere in Texas. Who knows? She's probably in Austin. <laughs> With the rain. <laughs> Where do you post jobs? I mean, it's, it's a tactical question. But... You can go to ZipRecruiter. Um, ZipRecruiter. I, I do. I also do a lot of, I'm not going to say word of mouth. I did make a posting on Facebook in my little local city chat room. Like, hey, I know some people that are hiring these types of positions. If you're interested, you know, private message me. Cause, and that worked. We actually uh, hired an employee that way. And she's great. Great knowledge, everything. I think it was just like a one-off. We all know how Facebook feed works, right? So it was just a one-off. I think she probably saw it and said, hey, yeah. But otherwise, the ZipRecruiter, why Thanks. not? Have you changed the way you've written the job descriptions over the years to try to... Yeah, we actually, we're in the process of redoing them now. Mm-hmm. And just job descriptions and contracts. Uh, doctors working really hard trying to figure out the next level, the next step. Like, who are our next hires? What are you? Because it's not going to be the same. Where do we want to take those new hires to? Where do we want to take our current staff members to? Which is tied to the growth that you want to see in the practice. Exactly. So, where are you going? Like, where's the practice going? I have my own ideas. <laughs> I would really. She's an awesome surgeon, but you've got to have the ancillary to bring it in. Like the woman literally is probably one of the hardest workers. Not that all surgeons are, but she really works it. The woman's amazing. She did a fitness competition last year for Criminy's sake. Oh my gosh, she was crazy. And she crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Like the woman was getting up at three o'clock in the morning. She was crushing life. Because she decided to to win it. So she just did it. And that's just her. Surgeon personality. But she needs a break. You need that extra income so that she can have more than a week off a year. Like surgeons need that. They talk about burnout all the time. I think there's probably two or three courses here. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about physician burnout. I mean, I know she gets her little breaks here and there, but you shouldn't have to work that hard to get one. So when you find great staff, what do you do to, to keep them motivated, but also to keep them from looking around and How leaving? old are they? Because like, I have different theories. So you're, I would say, 35 and up you know, get them motivated, make sure that they, everybody needs education, everybody needs training, right? So throw that one out the window because everybody just gets that. 
but they want, okay, well, I'll take a couple pennies or I'll take like a bonus or incentive type thing, get more skin in the game. I get more motivation or out of that age range with them doing sales goals and hitting those markers and getting that bonus. And it's really kind of cool to see them all work together and do that. The younger ones, I would say like under 35, especially, you know, there's reports everywhere all over that are, you know, they just want to feel valued. They don't need, it's not about money. I mean, they all know that they're going to die in debt anyways. They all know they're not going to pay off student loans. They're not going to, seriously, like pensions aren't going to be there anymore. We tech, we don't even know if we're going to have social security anymore. All they want is to be able to have a decent living and feel valued, right? Like that's, they want to feel appreciated. So let them share their opinions. Let them go to a meeting, let them go to a conference and sit on stuff and then and entertain that conversation with them. We have, I don't want to call it a cocktail hour, but we'll have time whether it's coffee in the morning or we'll go out. Like if it's a special occasion when it's like Tiger's opening day, we go out. I shut the practice down. We wear our Tiger's gear. We don't go to the game because they're not that kind of staff at this practice, but we'll go out and talk. And well, what do you think? What policy did you see that worked? What, why did you think that failed? And that is more important to them. We have a lot of loyalty and it's not always the dollar, but they really like being heard and understand that we want their feedback so that we can make the better changes and kind of help them. I think that's more of a, a generational thing as far as retaining them, just appreciate them. Cause they always tell you it's, it's the people. So interesting. <laughs> They're not motivated by money. I don't, I don't know, man. I didn't, like, I didn't say that was my generation. <laughs> No, but if you think about it, everybody wants to have fulfillment. Yeah. You spend your entire life working. Yeah, you want, so want you to want feel to have, like you, you got something done. Every yeah, day. like I accomplished something. I contributed to something. They want to feel valued. So there's nothing wrong with that. So they're not great at talking on the phone. Are they good at texting with patients or yes. have you stuck your toe in the water there? Yes. So, and we decided to go forward with Weave. So, because A, it cut our cost on a lot of things. So, the patient reminders and the birthday reminders and, oh, we'll upcharge you if you can do this. And, oh, you have this merchant account that you pay these fee to. And, oh, we have, it's just, a, we were able to narrow down a lot. And then, I don't know about other practices, but um, in the state of Michigan with insurance plans and then with certain hospitals and surgical centers by us, they still are old school fax machines which drives me bananas. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I keep telling people in the real self office that people still are using fax machines and nobody yeah. believes you me. You do, yeah. Now I have proof. Yeah, they do. And insurance companies use them. That's the only way they have. It's it's, it's, to the, it's security, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's secure. So we've kind of, I think, I'm not going to say broke the mold. It's the best thing about startup companies. Whether they sink or swim, they're going to change the dynamic of a certain portion of our industry, right? That's the best thing about them. But we downloaded their software, gosh, June. And it's, if we text them, like if we miss a call, we text right away. Oh, wow. It's amazing. And it's right there on your computer. Like even if you miss that call, because I mean, we know how that is. Like if you don't capture them, right? You guys preach this to us. If we don't have them within 24 hours, they're gone. And I, that's so true. And if we're on the phone or if I'm checking out a guest or one of the front desk girls are, you know, trying to schedule a surgery or whatever, like they can't get it done, you can text them. Because the person in front of you may not know what you're texting. They might think that you're looking for something, but it's, it's very slick, very slick. It cut down a lot of costs for phone lines, the fax machine. I'm going to have an office space moment with everyone. We're going to hand out bats. It's going to be an employee party. We'll, <laughs> like watch, the, yeah, we'll watch the movie. 
get some popcorn. We'll go out and kick a fax machine. Oh, I would love to be there for that. <laughs> we'll post it. I'll put. I'll take a That's video. That's great. <laughs> That'll make a great Instagram page. <laughs> the day we got rid of our fax machine and how we did it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Texting is, it's a lot of practices have not adopted it yet. And it's because they haven't figured out how or they don't believe that it's important. And I think it's, it is, it's, it's really important. It's, it's very important, I think. Because you can ask those same practices. So if I was a person, okay, we've, remember this. If I was a person talking to practices saying, you know, like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to text. Okay, people don't want confrontation. So I'm going to remember you said that. And I'm going to call you from an 8 and 100 number. And you let me know if you answer that phone call. No one does. Man, we don't know if it's somebody selling us life insurance for the fifth time. Or we don't know. Passes for a cruise. So, I mean, if they're apprehensive, everybody has that apprehension right? They don't want to pick up their house phone. It started with the house phone. And then we had caller ID, right? And then we had like messaging and then we got the cell phones and now we can text and everything's evolves, but you're still going to avoid it. So don't put a patient in a hot spot. So that goes back to like the Michigan being conservative thing. So you guys give us information. Real Self gives us the name, email, phone number, and like a little blurb about this is what I'm interested in that they fill out, right? Great. Nine times out of 10, when I call them on the phone number that they listed, I get dumped to voicemail and it's going to be the turnaround time is probably a week. And that's after I've called a couple of times versus if I email them because it's non-confrontational, they're more likely to do that. The texting platform on Weave, when we miss a phone call, it is instantaneous. Have you had any mishaps with texting patients? No, not that I'm aware of. We'll put it this way. I'm not going to say definitively no, but not that I'm aware of. As far are you talking about like, as far as like HIPAA compliance, like security, like names? No, mm-hmm. no. That software platform's pretty gosh darn slick, and they have all the patient information. And you know who's calling you. You can know who's texting you. That that phone number's there. Once they're that information's connected between the platforms, you know you're in. You know you're good. But uh, not really. When you respond to somebody who just called, like when you miss a call and then you text them right away, what does that first message say when you reach out? It's a generic message. You know, thank you for choosing Dr. Allen and NV Aesthetics. We are so sorry we missed your call. Uh, we will return your call shortly. However, if this is a preferable platform, starts the message. And then they say, yeah, great. I'm just confirming this appointment. Okay, great. You're in. We'll see you tomorrow. I just need to schedule a consultation. Fantastic. Are you okay if I transfer your money, your information to money. <laughs> our money? <laughs> yeah, money. let me just take that money. Boy, <laughs> where's my head at? Let me just transfer your information to our patient care coordinator. She'll get back to you. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. Have you scripted out all the language and the way that you want the staff to respond? Oh, yes. gosh, yeah. Oh, so gosh, yeah. tell me what that looks like. Is it all built into Weave? Is it on paper? Is it's it- actually on paper and binders. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to put it in Weave. I think I just, because you, I think, I don't want to let that out there. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody's practices. Oh no, it's my script. And we all have the same scripts. It's fine. Well, I'll admit it. We all have the same scripts. Okay. I probably wrote 20 of them for you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> they're all the same guys. Sorry. But it's just general information. So we, we have binders that have information on, this is specifically what I want you to say. This is specifically what I want you to say when they are a new patient. This is specifically what I want you to say about a device or a service. And that is it. I am a huge fan of scripting. I spoke at a, out about it at the uh, SPSSCS meeting last year in New Orleans. And it was, I'm very strict with it. I, that is my ace in my back pocket, right? I need to trust that that's what you're going to say. And I have it written that way so that if there's ever a question from a patient, I know that I can trust that that came out of your mouth 
and I'm covered. So it's and like a- Can you actually go back and weave and see the whole conversation that happened? If it's on the phone, they record phone calls too. Yeah, you can go back and do that. Do I? No, because I hear them. I can hear them. We're a small office. I can hear them. You missed a word. Megan, it was of. You missed one. It's like the swear jar. You have to put a quarter in the jar every time you miss a word in the script. I don't know. We should probably implement something like that. It'd be amazing. But I do think that scripting is amazing. In that binder, we also have a breakdown of credentialing of every single employee in there. Every employee. Because they have to, if you don't give the tools to your staff so that they can execute properly, you're really kind of letting them have free will. And I also am very selective of what's being said to whom. I probably gives them a lot of confidence and makes yeah. them feel safe especially about doing their job too. Especially with new hires. Because yeah. they don't have to guess. That would ramp a new hire so fast to be able to just follow. Yeah. And I also, yeah, you don't want your front desk giving medical advice, even though they heard the PA or the NP say something, you don't, you don't need that. No, cut it off. This is your Bible. This is your script. This is all you get. Don't go off smart. of that. Very smart. You should write a book. Yeah. I'll write a series. <laughs> you could probably write volumes. I'll write point. a series of books. <laughs> the angry office manager. <laughs> the angry front desk associates. Pen that. Copy that. What's next for the practice? What are you thinking about for fall and for 2020 as far as what you're going to do next? Are you adding services? Are you going to market something differently? What's on your mind? So we're working on our marketing budget first. And then figuring out what other, I mean, you can't bring on devices or anything until you have it figured out. We do our marketing about eight months in advance. So we're through halfway through 2020. Um, and we have certain dollar amounts that are allocated. We have certain dollar amounts, you know, CapEx for devices and stuff like that, that we're working through. We brought on Halo, uh, which I love. It's fantastic. I've worked with it many, many times. It's amazing. But I don't know if it's going to be body contouring just because there's so many devices out there. She is predominantly like, we do plastics and reconstructive. Let me rephrase that. I apologize. She does plastics and reconstructive. The med spa does, you know, anything facial aesthetics, right? We don't really do body type things. And, and that's a huge market, but it's so saturated. So I'm going to, I'm. we are more, I think Dr. Ellen and I are very much on the same page where you kind of just sit back, see what happens, and then we're going to do it. I think there's a practice in your market that has claims to have something like 16 cool sculpting machines or more. Okay, is it a franchise? And it they, could be. It's. I mean, if that's what they're doing, God bless you, go forth. I never know if people are telling me the truth or not. <laughs> About okay, something listen, like we're going to start listening. <laughs> we're going to start a whole different podcast on that one. How to spy a lie. I do hear, a I hear a lot of crazy stuff. I'm sure they could, there could be, there very well could be, to be honest with you. I want to know what the devices do and what their effects are on the body and what worst case scenario there is on the body. Uh, I know doctor looks at that as well. So I don't really necessarily care how many M sculpts or whatever you have going on. That's not us. That's not our market. That's not what we're doing. We need to know what to do if it, there's an oopsie situation that's more important for us to be able to know how it works. So there's a lot of education there, but you know, there very well could be 16 cool sculpting. Go forth, man, knock it out. If that's all you're doing, it's a fantastic business model. I'll tell you that. So you, you plan the marketing very far in advance. It's actually pretty unusual and very smart. Just 
how do you then reconcile the marketing plan against the metrics and what kind of metrics do you use? What tools do you use? How do you? We have spreadsheets galore. There are certain reports that certain staff members do, counts, tallies, things like that, as far as the marketing thing. So just to touch base real briefly back on the marketing thing, we plan it out in advance. But if you think of how things are marketed now, it doesn't matter. You can plan your marketing out two years in advance. It doesn't matter because it's your Facebook, your Insta, your YouTube. That's what you need to focus on. And you don't know that until you see your voids. And then you're going to go to instant gratification and let's fill those dead rooms, right? Especially in spots. Like, let's go fill those empty rooms. We're going to take a video. We're going to put it out on YouTube and boom, we're good. So it's not uncommon for, I, don't, I can't imagine it would actually be uncommon for people to plan certain things out. So marketing as far as, you know, your print, you know, she's in a higher end magazine in the Detroit market. And, you know, we have that planned out. We know what we're going to do. We know what those ads are going to look like. We have a great digital team that we work with. They're fantastic. And that's how we have the freedom to say, okay, this is done. Nice to have a good partner for that. Very much. It's a big challenge. So they go and they take, as far as metrics go, we assign certain phone numbers, right? And every time you click on an image, whether you click on an image in Facebook or if you click on an Insta, we know where you're at. We know where that's coming from, right? All that information is there. You just have to look. Like I think you and I talked years ago about Google and how it's just a wormhole. It's all the same. It's all just a wormhole. Mm -hmm. um, and it's cool how you can get that information. I don't know how they do that. They work their wiggle their magic fingers and voila, we have a beautiful report. That says, let's not do so much snap. Nobody does that. Let's not do that. Okay, done. So, yeah. That's pretty important. Yeah. You got to know that the dollars are going in and they're coming back out the, where you're putting them in so you can move them around. I think, yep, I think there's, social media is a definitely a cheaper form of marketing that I'm really enjoying right now. <laughs> we'll get that up and running. It's a little bit easier. Cheaper, I mean easier. It doesn't cost thousands and thousands of dollars to bring out a video crew and do stuff, you know? It's, you can... uh, it's a good time cost-wise. It's also a hard time because I think a lot of people want to just put money towards it and make it work. Yeah, no, you actually have to do and it. Patients demand authenticity. So you have to work that into the framework too. You can't mm -hmm. just throw money at it and expect someone who doesn't know you, doesn't know your office, doesn't right. know your doctor, right. doesn't know your brand to just make something happen. And I think we could do that 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah, you can't do that now. No. And the I, smartphone absolutely not. and the social media have really made that impossible. It's fantastic. They've taken it and they've manipulated it. And you just have to roll with it, play the game. So we don't have a lot of, I mean, there's, is it Dr. Sieber? He has a, so many Instagram followers. Like I follow him. I'm like, I, I love the Insta. That's the game though, right? That's the game. You do your Insta and that's, that's what you do. So, and he's got a t like great, great shots. We do a lot of limited, but we do a lot of limited of, okay, this is actually one of our patients and we'll zap them with a the BBL, right? And you'll see the video and they're like, ow, what the heck was that? And we post that stuff that's because that stuff. is real. Yeah. That is real. We do just crazy stuff around the office. Like we celebrated doctor's birthday. That was a fun time. We took some photos. We put it up there. We're going to sporadically space them out, of course, plan it out that way. But it's just when you have a chance, get the real stuff. I mean, 
don't, Dr. Ellen, don't fire me for this one. We have chair wars where we see how far we can push a chair with a staff member down the end of the hallway, which is not there. And we tried grabbing a (laughs) shot of it. Turns out it's a little more difficult than what you think it is. That furniture is really sturdy. Very sturdy. That was a good investment. But it's just stuff to kind of break up the monotony. And I think that that's what people want to see. Because again, we're going for nice and homey and kind and welcome. And we want you to feel like a family to us. So that is the kind of silly stuff that we do. And there's not a lot of it. We're very selective. But that's just kind of how we're pulling them in. And I think, and we, like I said, I mean, she's got patients from 10, 15 years ago. Oh my gosh. They come in there. I'm bringing my daughter in. Okay, great. Wow. That's how it's supposed to work. That's it. It's great. It's it's tricky, <laughs> but it's good. It's fun. So there's a question we ask everybody, mm-hmm. which is, well, what's your superpower? Everybody has one. Other than reach through the internet and punch somebody in the face? You no, I can't. Superpower? I wish I did. Holy cow. No, I was raised in a family where everyone is welcome, right? We're still We're still that way. I mean... Lord have mercy, my ex-husband, his wife, and their kids come to Christmas dinner. Wait, your ex-husband? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, we're every, we love everybody, right? We're here, we're Polish, right? We're Catholic, we're Polish. It's, everybody's welcome. Doesn't matter. It doesn't happen all the time. But no one has turned away. My, we were brought up that way. Mm-hmm. Any kid that I went to high school with, you're always welcome. And it was just that sense of welcome and family and making sure that no matter where you are, that person feels comfortable. So if I was going to have a superpower, that's probably going to be my superpower because I will walk up behind you and hug you. Or if you're not a hugger, that's fine too. I will anyway, and then I'll duck really quickly. <laughs> but even walking down the street, hi, I will be the one that bends over to grab your eyes to make you look at me and say hi to you. Or I'll hug a stranger if they come in. Like, you know how it is when you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, give him a hug. That is the biggest diffuser ever. If somebody's having a bad day, what is that study? They were just like, it was on Facebook. It was one of those Jay Shetty things or whatever. It's a video and it was like 30 seconds of a hug every day has this many benefits or whatever. And I don't know what that, but that stuck with me. And I'm like, and now I just hug everybody because it's going to stop you from having a bad day. It's going to stop you from being upset or it's going to make your day. Or if you're already having a day, you're going to celebrate like, yeah, this is a good day. Just, it's okay. It's called human interaction. Keep that. Don't lose it behind your iPhone. <laughs> so neat to hear about your superpower really being the brand of the practice and how you approach everything that's happening. Yeah. I think it was, I, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm very lucky. I don't know how it happened and how the stars align, but I'm very lucky. My surgeon is very much the same way. Very much the same way. If you hug her, she'll probably cry. She just has a good soul. Like, like you don't get that very often. But yeah, and that's, I think that's what really does it for us. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you shared it all with us. That's what we have. Yeah. It's what it is. It's going to make the industry better, I think. Yes. Any question, any conversation, any lecture that you go to, any anything. Always learning. You have to. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so, so much. It was great seeing you again. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. 
Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.